Pregnancy announcements are everywhere. This next generation of kids, they some say might be called the coronials, or my favorite is the quarantinis, you know, those babies who were conceived under quarantine. And I mean, who knows, maybe in about 10 to 12 weeks time, we're going to see another batch of pregnancy announcements because of the last couple weeks of lockdown. You know, it's exciting though when you get the opportunity to announce a pregnancy. I mean, it's, it's one of those days for a lot of people that's just full of excitement and usually days leading up to it, sometimes weeks you've been considering, you know, a creative way that you can share the news with family and friends. Amy and I remember fondly still the couple times we've got to announce uh, our kids to family and friends. Uh, For our first daughter, what we did is we went down to Party City and we got one of those giant inflatable foil uh, balloons shaped in the shape of a baby. And we went over to my in-laws with it stuck inside of a cooler. And so the idea was that when, when they would go to open the cooler to grab out a drink, surprise! And, you know, that led to just a lot of joy. And we had, we had fun with the second child as well. For our second, uh, the way we wanted to announce our child to family and friends was sort of the, the obligatory photo that you could take. You know, the one where you have the older sibling and there's a clue to the fact that a younger sibling was going to be there? Here, take a look at what we did. I mean, yeah, maybe that wasn't so subtle, but isn't it just so cute to see the older sibling celebrating the younger one? I mean, for us, it's it's just one of those things. You just have memories of the first time you get to announce, or even the second, any of the times you get to announce uh, the expectation of a child. It's just such a wonderful time. And today we're going to be looking at one of those stories found in Scripture. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 1, where we see the most unusual but probably the most memorable pregnancy announcement that has ever come. We're looking at the time where God announced to Joseph, Jesus' adoptive father, what's happening in the moment that he is wrestling through finding out about Mary being pregnant. So if you've got your Bible, grab it, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. It says this, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he, he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. 
So here in Matthew, we kind of are jumping midway into this pregnancy announcement story. We see that there's Mary, a young peasant girl, and she's betrothed. She's in this committed relationship for marriage to Joseph. But there's some news that causes a little bit of a stir, and that's the news that she's pregnant. And, and Joseph, by this point of where we're reading, has already found out about this, this unexpected child. And he's really, frankly, not too thrilled about it. Uh, he hasn't slept with Mary yet, which means that this pregnancy, well, it's not his. And so he wrestles through that. And add to that the fact that Mary comes and says, you know what? This wasn't from another man. This was from the Holy Spirit. That's whose child I have within me. I mean, if you really actually stop and think about that, I think you would just picture Joseph just being like, mm, uh-huh, sure, whatever. Like, there's, there's just absolutely no way. And, and that puts Joseph in this really difficult situation. We read in verse 19, it says that Joseph was faithful to the law, yet he didn't want to disgrace her. So you have this scene where, where Joseph's lying at home, you know, he, he's talked to Mary, it's become evident that she's pregnant, she's telling him this news, and he's sitting there as, as this good Jewish guy who wants to follow the law. It says he's faithful to the law, and so the law tells him in, in his day that this could not be, this marriage should be broken, this relationship should not happen because of what happened, but he doesn't want to disgrace Mary at the same time. He doesn't want this to be full of shame and all sorts of other things, more than it has to be. And so he resolves in his own mind at home by himself that he's going to do this quietly. Now this might seem a little bit strange to us, this idea of going to get a divorce in this situation. But we have to understand that engagement and marriage took a, a different course of life in the time where Mary and Joseph lived. It was, it was very different, not just in time, but in culture. And so engagement was actually something that could be started with young children. Two fathers could decide to agree that their children would be married, and so they would be engaged as young children. And then from that point on, what would happen is they would, we, we would grow up and at some point they would enter sort of this betrothal stage. And this betrothal stage was where there was a legal commitment. This was legally binding that these two individuals would be husband and wife, but they didn't live together still. The betrothal would last about a year in length on average, and during this time they would be known as husband and wife, but they would live their, their sort of separate but together lives. They, they wouldn't sleep together, they wouldn't be under the same roof together, but eventually what would happen is this marriage day would happen, and on the wedding night they would consummate the marriage, and they would end up together moving forward in life. And so what happens here is we have a legally binding situation where Mary and Joseph are pretty much, in our mind, as good as married. And so Joseph has to break this off with an official divorce. But when he processes that divorce and what could go on in light of the law of the day, he recognizes that there's a bunch of different things. From one end, you could just have this divorce that was sort of done quietly and in the presence of a few witnesses, but, but it could be kind of done quietly and people could go on in their own ways. But on the other hand, you had the severity that could be taken with the law. 
The, the law led up to the fact that the woman and the man who, who got her pregnant could be stoned to death. And so clearly, as Joseph's not thrilled with this situation and he's angry, he has an option to, to choose a whole bunch of different things. But he decides in his own heart and mind that what he's going to do is he's going to follow the law and divorce Mary, but he's not going to subject her to the full extent of the law. And so he, he sits there, he lies at home, uh, I'm sure full of so much angst, and we see that at some point he goes to sleep. And this is when another announcement about the pregnancy comes. We see that an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream and announces what's going on. In verse 20 to 21, we read the angel say this, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And then as we continue to read on in verse 22 and 23, Matthew kind of gives a little bit of extra insight into what's happening here, the prophecy that was being connected to. He writes this in verse 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, this is clearly an unusual announcement. I mean, I've had a, a number of friends over the years who have announced to us that they're pregnant and family members who have done that, and it's, it's always this exciting time, but rarely, if ever, when there's a pregnancy announcement do you find out about the gender of the baby. I mean, it does happen sometimes, but not super often. The next thing that doesn't happen very often is the name given to the child, that there will be a name and the whole meaning is given at, at the pregnancy announcement. But the thing that I have never experienced in any of the many pregnancy announcements that I've seen or heard or received have been uh, declared by an angel. I mean, this is just an abnormal sort of thing. I mean, when we think about pregnancy announcements, normally we think of uh, the situation where the, the mother might find out first and tell the husband, or we have this picture of the couple going and, and sharing the good news with their family. But in this case, there's not really the same essence of a couple that we would normally think of. There's this unique father. It says that Jesus is placed into Mary by the Holy Spirit, and then he gives an angel the message that he's supposed to bring. And the angel comes to Joseph and says, hey, this is the real deal. What Mary's talking about, the fact that she has not been with another man, but that, I, that the Holy Spirit has sent Jesus to be in her womb, it, it, that, that's, that's actually happening. And I can't even imagine what Joseph is thinking, but, but as the angel tells him this, he says, this is, a, this is a huge deal. Not only is this unusual, but, but what's happening here is super significant. And, and what I want you to do, Joseph, I want you to adopt this child. And I want you to give him a very specific name. I want you to call him Jesus because this child isn't going to be any ordinary child, but he's going to be the one who comes to save God's people from their sin. Now again, in that next couple of verses, 22 and 23, we, we see that Matthew gives a little bit of editorial commentary and 
he references this prophecy from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And, and we, we don't know whether the angel would have given that information to Joseph or, or Joseph would have known that as a good Jewish man who would have studied the scriptures. We, we don't know how this comes about, but it's clear by the progression of the, the history of this story that Joseph, on some level, understands what would happen. And this prophecy from Isaiah 7, 14 said that one day God would send his child through a virgin to, to give birth and that child would be a boy and that boy would be known as Emmanuel and so we have this big news of this child to be born to be named Jesus but to be known as Emmanuel now that's a little bit confusing for us off the top I mean we might sit and wonder in this course of a few verses, why are there different names being thrown around? Is there some confusion? Is there conflict in Scripture here between what was prophesied before and what comes later? Or is this a first name, middle name sort of situation? And it's, it's really not any of those things. What's happened is that the angel has given a proper name for this child. And the proper name is to be Jesus and Jesus is the Greek version of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means Yahweh saves or God saves. And then what happens is there's this title that people will know this child as. So in a sense, it's a name. Emmanuel is a name, but it's, it's sort of a title. For instance, my name is Kyle, but some people might know me by the title of being a pastor. And so, in the similar way, this child would be named Jesus, or Yahweh saves, but their title, how they would be known, would be that this is God with us. And so this announcement is huge, and I mean, it has so many implications that we can see, but before we get there, I want to stop and quickly look at two of the reasons that are so important behind this announcement. And the first is, is this reason for why this announcement is made to Joseph. Well, this announcement, it has to take place in order that God's plan can be accomplished. So you see, Joseph's in this mindset when he's thinking about what to do with this whole situation with Mary and the pregnancy, and, and he's going down a track that's leading him towards divorcing her. And, 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 and that's allowed. It's, it's cleared by the law, and so this is where he's going. But, but God wants to interrupt that plan. And so he sends his angel who says, hey, you need to stop and you need to hear about more about all this. And we notice that the very first thing that the angel says is Joseph, son of David. Now, if you remember to last week, when we looked at the genealogy of Jesus, being part of the line of David, of the royal family of David, was very important. It's no accident that Matthew includes this account and the angel's words to Joseph right after we come out of that genealogy. You see, God had given a promise to, to King David that one day one of his descendants would, would establish not just a physical kingdom, but that he would establish a spiritual, an eternal kingdom that would come out of this lineage. And notice the name, Joseph, son of David. In the midst of this story, we have a girl who's pregnant, but that girl is not part of the royal line. And so in order for God's will to be fulfilled, in order for that promise that was given centuries before to be accomplished, 
This child had to be adopted into the family of David. And so here we see that God is calling Joseph to bring this child in to the family. And while Joseph never made this child, Joseph had the opportunity to adopt this child. In, in this culture, in, in the early first century, we had this opportunity for a father to name a child. And in doing so, they called that child their own, whether they were an adopted child or not. And so by Joseph naming Jesus, which was given by God the Father, we see that Joseph establishes an adoption of this child into the line of David, thus fulfilling God's prophecy and promise. And so God's intervening in this moment, but he doesn't just want to intervene to fulfill that promise. He wants to set up an understanding of who this child is, and that's a really important reason for this announcement. People had to know, Joseph and others would have to know that Jesus had come to save all of God's people from their sin and that he would be the physical manifestation of God here with us. You know, one of the common sayings that I've heard Christians say around Christmas time is a saying that Jesus is the reason for the season. And I like it. I mean, that's a great saying. But here we see that the angel actually gives a little bit of a different reason for the season. The angel says the reason for this all to happen is sin. The reason for the season is sin. You see, Jesus wouldn't have had to come if it wasn't for our sin. There had to be no God who would come down to live and to die for payment of our sin if we didn't bring that sin and brokenness in the world. But here we were, as mankind, as humanity, living and breathing, sinning, constantly rebelling against God. We had been broken in relationship from him. And so he had to come down to be with us to pay the penalty for our sin. And I love the way that the angel connected to this and shared this idea of, of the, Jesus being conceived by the Holy Spirit. This is much more than just a statement. It's, it is a fact, but it's also a deep theological truth. Not, not only would this child be born as, as a man, but he was born of God. He was God himself. He literally came to be God in the flesh. He was Emmanuel. God with us. And this is how it had to be. Because of our sin, each and every single one of us has come to this place where we have to pay the penalty. And that penalty is death and an eternal separation from a perfect and loving God. And the only way for us to get out of that would be if there was a substitute for our place. There would have to be one person who could come and substitute their perfect life for ours. But even if one person could, which we know no one can, that would only be a one-to-one -one exchange. So when dealing with the sin of the entire human race, we would have to have a God himself coming down to deal with that. And so this idea that a God-man would be needed was fulfilled by God himself. He came as fully God and fully man to save us. And that really is what makes Christmas such a wonderful thing to celebrate, that Jesus came to deal with the, 
the reason that we were separated from him, that he came to invite us into his family, that he came to rescue us, not just from our sin, but to to draw us into a loving relationship with him for eternity. But while we celebrate that this Christmas, I also want us to not just look at, at the wonderful side of Christmas, but to understand that there was a gritty side behind this all. There was actually not just Joseph saying, okay, you know what, I saw an angel and I'm going to go uh, marry Mary and I'm going to name this child Jesus and everything is going to be fine and dandy. Because by Joseph abandoning what he had been thinking, And choosing what the angel directed him to do, Joseph entered into a world of hurt. I mean, Joseph chose to follow God, but he knew that there would be consequences. There would be significant consequences for him. He would have to go against societal norms. Society, his family, the the people in his community would be saying, what are you doing, Joseph? If this child's not yours, get out of there. This woman's not faithful. This is a terrible situation, and Joseph would have to to face that. They together, as a family, would have to face ridicule and persecution. People would judge them. They would look down on them. I mean, this is an honor and shame culture, and so they would be shameful in their eyes because people would look and say, well, either Joseph slept with Mary before they ever should have been together, or it's true that this woman was with someone else, and that would lead them to a life of shame in the the eyes of so many others. As well, there's another ante for this. In this culture, your firstborn child is sort of where you hang your hat. I mean, this is the one that's going to receive the inheritance. This is the one who's going to get the family business, the legacy. This is going to be the one you count everything on. And, and God says, I want you to adopt my son as your own. And so Joseph had to choose to say, you know what? I'm going to leave my legacy with a child who in a sense is not my own. This is a, a significant thing to choose to pass on. And eventually, as, as we'll see as we go through the Christmas story over the next few weeks, as we look at the history of, of how things will unfold throughout Jesus' life, Joseph, by accepting what God has done here with Mary and this child, would accept a life far more difficult than any of us could imagine. I mean, most of us, when we have a baby, get to do it in a relatively safe space at the hospital, and then we get to take our child home and and take a couple weeks off and be together as a family. And it's difficult without sleep, but but you make it happen, and there's lots of good comfort around you. But, But what would happen with Joseph is he would not have this baby at home, but on the road. They would not just get to to be on the road for a little bit and go home, but God would take them to be refugees, to live and and exist in a foreign land as as foreigners, not knowing the culture with nothing to their name. And, And he would take them there. And then even when he would bring, when God would bring Joseph, Mary, and Jesus back to their homeland, they would face the ridicule and persecution of others for, for everything that was going on. When Joseph chose Jesus, he did a really remarkable thing. He went against societal norms. He chose a life of punishment in some senses. He chose a life of suffering 
But he did that all because he knew it would be worth it. He knew who Jesus was. He knew what God had said, that, that this child would come to be their Savior, that this child would come to be God with us. And so Joseph willingly gave himself over to the plans of God. You know, I don't know what would have happened if Joseph said no. I don't know if Joseph really had a choice. I don't know how God would orchestrate all of that. Would, would, would God allow that? Would God bring about some other person from the line of David who would marry Mary and things would continue on in a different way? I, I don't know how all that works, but what I know is that Joseph chose to go against everything that we would expect from a pregnancy announcement and the joy associated with that to follow after what God would want in order that God's promises and plans could be fulfilled. And I think that's really important for us to consider as we're in this season of Advent. I want us to celebrate Christmas. I want us to fully embrace that God has done such an incredible work, but I want us to go beyond just thinking about the past and view what happens in the present. What about the places where God is calling us to lean into how he will continue to bring new life in this time now? What are we going to do as God invites us to, to give up something, to chase after what he wants? Will we trust that it will be worth it? I took a preaching workshop with a pastor, and, and one of the things I love that he said is, look at what God has done in Scripture, because there's a good chance that that's what God wants to do with you. And so with that in mind, I, I want us to remember all of what this could be telling us for the life that we are called to live now as the followers of Jesus. We're not just looking at the Gospel of Matthew here in the beginning, forgetting that the whole book has been written. As we go through and look at the full life of Jesus and his teachings, we'll see that there's this establishment of a new kingdom, and God calls us to participate. He wants us to expand his kingdom into the world. Over the next months, we'll, we'll hear about these teachings about how we're supposed to live in a countercultural way, how we're supposed to be salt and light and bring good things to the earth, how we're called to go out into all of the earth to bring the teachings and life of Jesus so that he can start new life with others. None of us are going to be asked to carry the life of the Savior. That's already been done. Jesus has already come. He's already lived on earth. He's established his presence as God with us. But what he will do is call us, just like Joseph had to do, into relationship with him. He's going to call us to bring the news that there is salvation from sin. He's going to bring us into that and invite us to say yes to him. So what can we expect as, as he calls us to that? Well, if we look at it in, in reference to this passage, we see that the first thing that we will experience is that we will have to go against the norms of the world. Jesus' kingdom goes against the norms of this world. And, and because of what God chose to do, Joseph had to push against societal and cultural norms to live in the ways of God. And we too can expect that as followers of Jesus, we will continually have to do what is not what is expected of us by the world, but what is expected of us by the kingdom of God. 
And the second thing that that means is that means that it's going to involve a lot of sacrifice. I mean, Joseph was aware of the sacrifice. Joseph experienced all of it. But when Jesus grew up and he began to teach his followers, he said, do not, do not, you know, go on not understanding what I'm calling you to. And Jesus gave it straight. In in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, he said this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross to follow me. Jesus says, you are going to have to go against society. You're going to have to go against culture, and you're going to have to pay a price for that. But we also know that as we do that, that it will be worth it. There's no question in our mind today that Joseph's sacrifice was worth it. He also got to experience the joy of what it looked like to be part of the life of Jesus. He actively got to play a role in God rolling out his promises and plans on the earth. And likewise, we too get to participate in this. God says, I want you to come and be my disciples so that you can see the new thing that I am doing to establish my kingdom on earth. But you have to to make a decision. Will you choose to trust me, to follow me, or will you go in your own way? So what are we going to do, church? How are we going to take this and apply it to our lives? Well, the first thing I think we have to do is we have to lean in to learn what God tells us and to live that out. One of the things I love about Joseph is it tells us that he's this man who, who wanted to uphold the law. And so we know that he, he knew his Bible. He considered it. And, and when he had this opportunity presented before him of following God, he knew what Scripture said. He knew what he ought to do because he was living following after God. We too need to live our lives spending time pursuing the places where we see God at work. We need to spend our time wrestling through Scripture so that when there's an opportunity that we think might be presenting itself, we can, we can listen for that and then look to the answers that Scripture provides for whether we should stay or whether we should go. And that leads me to the second thing. We, we've got to listen to God's leading. Now, we aren't all necessarily going to experience a vision of an angel. You know, we might. I, I'm not going to say that, that it's not going to happen because we see that it's happening in parts of the world. God still works in, in the Muslim portions of the world to, to win Muslims to him through visions of, of Jesus. And, and, and we love that and we celebrate that. And, and we may experience that in, in some part in our life. But, but the chance is that we have already had Jesus revealed to us in God's word. And so God says, listen to me here. I've already been with you, and I continue to be with you through my word. Come and listen. Hear what I have to say. And so are we listening, church, or are we going to go after that? Are we willing to lean into it? I think we've got to. All the sacrifice, all the cost that is being called of us is worth it. We have an opportunity to take part in new life happening. It's not physical life, it's spiritual. We get the opportunity to take part in trusting Jesus to bring about something of eternal consequence 
if we'd only be willing to spare the cost, if we'd be willing to pay the price of, of the suffering and pain, the discomfort of being awkward and not looking like the normal social or societal thing to chase after the things of God, we too would get to participate in the wonderful things that is God building his kingdom. And let me remind us that as we do that, if you're doing that right now and, and you're going, man, what's going on? I mean, I can't imagine Joseph so many times must have been like, what is happening right now? Why are we living as refugees? Why are we being persecuted? Why are we doing this? I'm sure there were those moments, but at the end, he got to, to see God's provision. He got to know it, and we too can know that. We know the whole story. We know that God sent his son to be Jesus, the one who would save, that he would be Emmanuel, that he would be God with us. God has already proven that he provides by providing for our biggest need, for our salvation, for our sins. So why wouldn't he continue to do so? At the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, we will say, we hear Jesus say that he has all authority on heaven and on earth and that he will be with us to the very end of the age if only we would choose to follow him. So would we be a people this Christmas season when the doors are open, when people are looking for hope, when people are looking for, for light in the darkness, when people are looking and willing to hear something new, something that sends the message that they need, would we be willing to step it out, to step out, to lay it all on the line? And will we trust that it's all worth it for God will accomplish what he promises. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, but more than your word, we thank you for you and how you provide for us. We thank you for the fact that you are God who delivers on your promises. Jesus, we thank you that you came to live amongst us, to, to walk this earth, to go through what we go through, to, to teach us, to guide us, but, but not just to do that, but to go to the cross, to die for us, to rise from the grave for us, so that we might not just experience salvation, but we could experience your eternal presence, that we could be in relationship with you. Holy Spirit, thank you for how you continue to, to bring about new life and and God, Holy Spirit, we want to rest in that. We want to chase after that. God, would we be people who wouldn't be afraid, be afraid of the, 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 the shame, that wouldn't be afraid of the, the pushback that we would experience from culture, that we wouldn't be afraid of the discomfort that might come from spreading your good news. God, would we be people who would be bold? Would we be people who would do what is right like Joseph did so many years ago? And would we step into that knowing that you will continue to, 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 to pull through on your promises just like you did all those years ago? And so as we celebrate this Christmas season, would we be a people who would share your name widely? Would we bring you tons of glory, God, because you deserve it all? And so thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for being God with us. And we pray this all in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen.